Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist. Benjamin Solak. It's the Kiston Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 34, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at Michael Kist NFL. It's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. You can follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? What is this? Dude, okay. What, what was that? What was that? I searched best. I searched celebration sound effects on YouTube. So I'm going to play a celebration sound effect. For the fact that Pumphrey is the Pumphrey episode, it's episode number 34, and this is what played on YouTube. Goodness. This is, this is a video called Best Celebration Sound Effect. It's got 50,000 views. I disagree. Uh, I disagree with that. We need to get in that business. Okay, well, um, every day is a good day to be alive. This is an amazing <laughs> day. I can't believe this. I like. I was thinking to myself. What if it's not what you envision it is? Like, you didn't test out this celebration sound beforehand. Uh, and I was like, yeah. no, there's a pretty wide range of celebration sounds. This will be fine. It wasn't. <laughs> so, Ben, today we have our last preview show for the Kiss and Solak show leading up to the London game against the dreaded, aka struggling Jacksonville Jaguars, who are on a three game losing streak. We're not doing so hot ourselves. First things first, before we get into this Eagles offense against Jaguars defense preview, which will be the main topic of the show, of course, there is house cleaning to do with the injury report. Not only the injury report, there's been a roster move. Derek Barnett has officially been placed on injured reserve, and he has given his roster spot to cornerback Chandon Sullivan. So that means the two Sullivans, the two misfit toys, Trey Sullivan, Chandon Sullivan are going to be on the roster for the Philadelphia Eagles. Ben, what did you – Chandon made a couple of plays, a couple of splash plays in the preseason that I can remember, but overall the depth at the defensive back position for the Eagles just continues to just not look fantastic. You know, I think I think it's very curious that a, a defensive coordinator would get a decent amount of heat for not playing his third-round rookie uh, – third-round 2017 draft pick, Russell Douglas at corner. Uh, so Douglas not getting any playing time. You know, Trey Sullivan's getting out there uh, as a safety, and Avante Max is coming back down as a corner before anything's happening to uh, to Douglas getting on the field. And then in the uh, with the new roster spot, he promotes a corner. I just found it very curious. 
because you already have a corner on the active roster you're not using. And there's Shannon Sullivan's not playing a nickel. Nope. So unless he envisions more changes with outside corners not playing outside unless he needs more numbers out there, I don't really know what this is. Like, because I'll tell you that he, he, if Sullivan is not like taking over for McDougal in the nickel. That's not happening. Sullivan is right. a cover yeah. two outside guy, right? He is long. He can jam you up at the line of scrimmage and get physical with you. He's not a nickel. He can't match in space. Can't do it. Right. So the only, like, why bring him up? Well, because you envision your outside corner depth being a little bit lighter. Why do you envision your outside corner depth being a little bit lighter? Maybe because you're willing to move Ronald Darby or Jalen Mills to the inside? Ah, I, it's the only thing I can think of. But I, I'm not sold on that because Schwartz has spoken against that a couple of times. So we'll see. Yeah, that would be interesting if they did move Darby or Mills. And he has said that Jalen Mills can play in the nickel. He said that in one of his press conferences. I distinctly remember it. It's also interesting because this Eagles defense has a total of four interceptions and Rasul Douglas has one of them and has barely been on the field as yeah, a Yeah, Rasul Douglas has a total of four snaps and one interception, <laughs> for God's sakes. So that's going to be interesting to track how they deploy their defense and dole out those snaps. Looking at the injury report, Linebacker Nathan Gary still on there with the ankle and the knee. Safety Corey Graham is dealing with the hamstring. However, he is traveling with the team to London, so there is a chance that he may play. I, I don't care. Cornerback Sidney Jones is not going on the plane. Neither is Darren Sproles, both dealing with hamstrings. As far as limited participation goes, DJ Alexander with a quadricep. Lane Johnson with the ankle still. Haloti Nato with the calf. Jason Peters with the bicep. All the usual suspects there. Uh, Wendell Smallwood and Rasul Douglas come back to practice after taking a day off due to personal reasons. Carson Wentz is back to full participation as expected with the back. And we are recording this on Thursday night. This is probably dropping later in the day on Friday. So this is the information that we're working with right now. Just full disclosure on that. For the Jaguars, some interesting news is that A.J. Boye, the outside corner, the starter for them, is going to miss this game with a calf injury that apparently he aggravated yesterday, which is big news. Leonard Fournette is not expected to play. He didn't participate. DJ Hayden, the other cornerback, so the real light cornerback right now, did not participate. Same with Tyler Patman, the other cornerback with a neck injury, did not participate. Limited participation from Calais Campbell and Dante Fowler Jr., who apparently triggered something in his groin. And then you've got full participation. We talked yesterday about the offensive line being kind of beat up. Brandon Linder, Andrew Norwell, Jeremy Parnell all practiced in full. Let's dial it. Let, let's go back to that A.J. Boye one because I think that out of all of these for the Jaguars definitely impact this game the most for what they want to do defensively. How do you know how to pronounce Boye? Sam is <laughs> on this team. It took, it took me a full four weeks to teach you Halafulivati Vaitai on this team. You've got Boye just ready? That's what I do, man. I surprise people every now and then. I'm disappointed because I wanted you to, to do the typical mistake and then I could get really uh, sanctimonious and correct you. But now I just, <laughs> uh, I was a gaping hole in my life. Irregardless. Yes, I deserve that. Irregardless is not a word. Boye being gone is a big one. Uh, and, and if you don't mind, I'll take... Boye being gone and use it to kind of transition into the All-22. Yeah. Todd Wash is a defensive coordinator for the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't think there's a defense with better 
personnel in the league. I think Baltimore is the best defense in the league, but I think a lot of that has to do with Baltimore's defensive coordinator, Don Martindale, who replaced uh, yeah. Dean Pease, who, who retired this, this past season, but then went to Tennessee, whatever. It's a classy name, too. I like that name, Martindale. Oh, I thought you meant Prestigious. Pease. And I was like, really? You like Pease? Dean Pease. I mean, it's straightforward. Yeah. That's what you would expect from a defensive coordinator, not Martindale. I mean, that's fancy. Well, okay. If it makes you feel any better, uh, his nickname is Wink. So Don Wink Martindale. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's like a 1950s like swing or like jazz singer. That's awesome. I, I was thinking like Doc Martindale. Like he sounds like a like a like a Western like like, you know, doctor who like heals up guys after they have their their duels out in the wild, wild west. Heals them heals them from being dead. Well, no, I'm saying like he like patches them up. He like sews up their wounds and whatever. He like, like a civil war sucks, doc. like rattlesnake venom out of their bites. Like, you know, I don't know how that works in the wild west, man. I've seen some movies. Anyway. <laughs> You can't really step into a better uh, spot personnel-wise than I think Todd Walsh did. you got Jalen Ramsey. you got A.J. Boye. And you've got uh, killer free safety, I think, in Deshaun Gibson. And then you have yeah. Talvin Smith and Miles Jack, two of the most athletic, uh, rangy, you know, uh, great cover linebackers that are there in the league. Uh, and then you've got uh, pass rush, a two-deep defensive line, which is Kalias Campbell, Malik Jackson and Marcel Darius and Yannick Ngakwe, and you're backing those guys up with Taven Bryan and Dante Fowler. Like, this is this is very nice. I want to take Todd Wash, and I want to scream at him. And I want to tell him, <laughs> Todd, you're probably the only dude in the league who has a defense where you can just, like, run cover one. Like, you you can just play man coverage. A predominant Why are they playing so much zone? amount yeah. of the snaps. And yeah. you'd be fine and not only would you be fine you'd stop asking athletes like jalen ramsey to play disciplined patient football when he's an aggressive ball hawking rangy attacking player like this 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 goes like i see some of the issues in wash that i I feel like we experienced with schwartz and our frustration is that yeah you want the players to execute but also it feels like there are better schemes for them right the jacksonville defense is making mistakes in zone drops both in pattern matching and in what we call like spot dropping or or cover country cover three right like uh, a lot of you know uh, modern zone coverages have these pattern match ideas to them like where where you know you're not necessarily dropping directly to the flat when the flat's your responsibility you're reading from the number two receiver to the number one receiver and you're seeing oh who's going to come into the flat you know who's going to be working into this whole zone and you get connected with them and you let them kind of carry you into the flat so you see who's approaching yeah. and you get connected with them and it's that hybrid coverage man and zone and and and, and washington or not washington wash with Jacksonville, absolutely does run that. And 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 Jacksonville does it well sometimes, and they have issues in it sometimes. But then he runs an inordinate amount of country cover three, spot dropping cover three, just, you know, linebackers get 10 yards deep into the curl flat. And if a running back releases right in front of you, don't do anything. Wait till yeah. he gets the ball, rally and tackle, which is just unnecessary because you have Telvin Smith and Miles Jack. They can cover running backs. They can get attached and they can carry them in space. It's, that's why, yeah. like, with with Schwartz, we say, oh, we feel like Darby and Mills could be better up and closer to the line of scrimmage. But, honestly, they'll probably get beat there a good deal, too, because they're Mills and Darby. They're not fantastic corners. Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, the two top seven corners in the league. Just let them play, man. This is not hard. They double mug or they mug with at least one linebacker, the A-gap, about 27% of the time. And when they do that, a lot of it is zone. 
just mug with one and have him on the running back and play man. Like, you don't have to set up this defensive line to be really effective. Look at the linemen that you have. I have the same issue that you have. When I see them blitz and then I see the coverage behind it, a lot of times it is man. And boy, oh boy, are those cornerbacks hard to get away from. Right. Why aren't you doing – why are you allowing these wide receivers all this space? Which, but also and, – and, and both the Eagles and the Jaguars have the same issues right now turning the ball over for the very same doggone reasons. Absolutely. And so you brought up the, the blitzing and the mug looks, which I greatly enjoyed because I was playing a game with myself and I was going through the tape, which was, okay, it's third and at least five. I know they're going to have six players in the line of scrimmage. That's a given. They're mm. going to have yep. <laughs> three linebackers and three rushers. And it's great. It's terrifying because it's great athletes, but okay. Are there five slash four secondary players going to be 12 yards off the ball playing zone, <laughs> right. playing prevent? Yeah. Or are they going to be directly on the line playing man? Will anything right. ever change? No. It's either a pure cover zero look where it's like, hey, guess, mm-hmm. guess what we're doing, guys? <laughs> it's press coverage. Or it's yeah. very clear that somebody's going to drop and they're going to play some sort of fire zone, at least a five person, yep. not a six person zone, because they're not lined up in, in any sort of threatening man coverage. And and so there's there's a lack of duplicity there. There's a lack of, of deceit there. But anyway, back to the, the Boye point. They are not going to be able to run as much man, which mm-hmm. they still do, with DJ Hayden on the outside or Quentin Meeks or if Tyler Patman can go, then Tyler Patman, whatever it ends up being, right? Hayden is usually their nickel. And I want to get to their nickel coverage in a bit. But it, whoever it ends up being, Trey Herndon, Quentin Meeks, Tyler Patman, whoever it is that has to start taking outside reps, they're not going to be able to run nearly as much man coverage in that regard. Uh, this would be a great game to have a, a stronger wide receiver two presence. Uh, be a nice oh, game yeah. for Aglor to get some some deep routes. I think that Jeffrey can win some against Ramsey. I've been in the Jalen Ramsey is overrated camp for over a year now. Uh, still going strong. What's up? And so I think Jeffrey can win a few against Ramsey. But obviously you don't want to be feeding the rock to whoever Ramsey's covering. Ramsey is still one of the best corners in the league. If Boye's a no-go, then you should expect to see more of their traditional zone looks. And, I mean, Philadelphia fans, it should be very, very familiar in terms of what they put out in the field when they're just spot-dropping into cover three on, like, first and ten. Yeah. And, and it was funny, when I was reading about the Jacksonville defense, I was, like, looking here, and I was reading about this, and I was checking out on some notes, and I found a, a, a quote that I never heard of. But apparently it's something that air raid uh, offensive coordinators love to say. And so I'll just put it here because it applies to the Eagles defense as well. Air raid offensive coordinators love to say you can complete anything against cover three coverage. Pretty much anything, yeah. It means that and, it's and not here's the thing, Ben. Defense. I would say the Jaguars, and as much as Wentz is better against zone. I mean, that's just what the EPA shows you. He's he's a lot better against zone. Not that he's terrible against man, but this offense works better against zone when they can work guys over the middle like Ertz and run their concepts that they like to run the levels and flood and and all that and mesh. And Boye's out. Jalen Ramsey has shadowed two wide receivers this year. He has shadowed Odell Beckham Jr. in week one, and last week he shadowed DeAndre Hopkins. He should, this game, be shadowing Alshon Jeffrey, and they should be okay playing man otherwise. The one weak spot, as you named, the name that you mentioned, is someone that is struggling right now, is them being able to cover Nelson Aguilar from there, because Deshaun Gibson is a doggone good coverage uh, safety. Yeah, he does some stupid stuff against the run, but yeah, yeah, you can I mess with him in play action. Is the moral of the story? And their linebackers are good in coverage. And what I saw from their tape, and I actually went back, Ben, and I, uh, I, I charted them against the Titans when we were about to play the Titans. Their defense, one hundred percent of the time, and I'm saying that without hyperbole, 
100% of the time that the Titans came out in 12 personnel, the Jaguars countered with their big nickel package. So no nickel corner. Right. So you don't have to worry about the depth there. So you've got Tashawn Gibson. You've got Barry Church, the strong safety. And you've got the rookie from Alabama, Ronnie Harrison, on the field at the same time. With Boye's injury, I think the likelihood of that only increases. And what they also like to do against 13 personnel, they either go base or they go big base with that 4-4. Right, really not a 4-4, but you only have one corner on the field and they have three linebackers and three safeties because Ronnie Harrison and Barry Church and it, are good against the run. I mean, that's kind of what they do. That's what they're there for. Oh, so they go, you're saying they go Talvin Smith, Miles Jacks, Leon Jacobs, and then they leave three safeties in. Yeah. And they go one corner against 13? Yeah. Run the entire game out of 13 personnel. Never <laughs> should Josh Perkins come off the field. You're going to put three safeties and three linebackers out there on Goddard, Ertz, and, and Perkins, who isn't now, even that good? Let me qualify that because from that from that 13 set, the Titans only ran 13 in the fourth quarter with a three-point lead when they were trying to salt the, salt the game away a little bit. So okay. you get that conservative play calling. So you're not sure if it's just because of those looks. Um, but the point remains, we are going to see a lot of these safeties in coverage. And I can see them putting Gibson on Ertz a lot because they put Gibson on Gronk a lot. That's mm-hmm. what they like to do. What do you think about that deployment from the Jags? And what do you think of the matchups like therein as far as what that can do for the Eagles? Should the Eagles invite more big nickel, big base from the Jaguars and get these tight ends? I mean, the Eagles, again, run the most 12 and 13 combined personnel in the NFL. Do you think that continues in this game because of that matchup? Or do you think that Ronnie Harrison, Barry Church, Gibson, the linebackers, We'll be able to take care of business in that situation. Mike, I love it when we come to the podcast without having discussed something and we're exactly on the same page. I think that that's awesome. <laughs> Last year, Warren Sharp, who's uh, on Twitter at Sharp Football, published before the Jacksonville Jaguars New England Patriots game. Yeah, in the conference championship. Ben can see me shaking my head. Yes, and that's the whole reason that they drafted Randy Harrison. Go ahead. Right. The secret to beating the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, what he called it. And simply, it was the fact that when the Jaguars were up against... 11 personnel or heavier at wide receivers, so three-plus wide receivers. They were first in the NFL in success rate against, right? First in yards per attempt, second in passer rating allowed. When it was two wide receivers or less, 23rd in the NFL in success rate, 28th in yard per attempt, 18th in passer rating. So, like, average to below average, but a huge delta. Because on the field, they had to have Paul Pozlesny, who was their middle linebacker at this time last year. And Puzz, and I told Zach Goodall when we talked that him retiring was an immediate upgrade no matter what. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they went in the seventh Especially round covered. and got themselves a strong backer. And now they just play a Miles Jack at the mic, which is basically what it was. But it would have been Miles Jack at the mic and Puzz Lesney at the Sam. Um, but but mm-hmm. Puzz, you know, kind of grew up being a mic. And now it's Leon Jacobs uh, out of Wisconsin, seventh round pick. Sees the field sometimes. You know what I mean? Like you said, okay, it's 13 mm-hmm. personnel when it's run defense, right? But he's a seventh rounder. You didn't yep. even invest that much into him. So I went and I, I wanted to look, and this is all from uh, sharpfootballstats.com, which is Warren Sharp's site where he keeps all this data. Jacksonville has seen, I only have like 12 personnel because 13 personnel numbers are kind of really like very small and insignificant generally across the league. But if we just go from 11 to 12, uh, Jacksonville sees 11, 55% of the time, which is below average amount of the time as a defense in the league. Against 11 personnel, they allow 37% success against the pass and 35% success against the run, which we should uh, note right now, the Jaguars are third best in the league against the run with 41% success rate. 
And they are second best in the league against the pass with 40% success rate overall. Just has a defense against all personnel. So they're a top three defense against both run and pass. And their numbers against 11 personnel are even lower than, than the numbers they're putting out as a defense as a whole. That's because against yeah. 12 personnel, where they're seeing 12 personnel 23% of the time. It's one of the highest numbers in the league. We go from 37% to 46% success rate against the pass. 9 percentage point increase. 35% success against the run to 48, 13 percentage increase when they are up against 12 personnel. Ronnie Harrison is the new solution to 12 personnel. Cool. It ain't that much of a solution. I, per- I personally blame Barry Church and whatnot, but Ronnie Harrison, for me right now, is a run defender. He is not yet there in coverage. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Right. They drafted him for that purpose. It has not panned out yet. No, there are a couple of reasons why I think their numbers are bad in personnel. I, I brought up Ronnie Harrison because you said like, you know, they went to get Ronnie yeah. once they got rid of Puzz, right? Because Which, yeah, no, they recognize this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're playing a third round safety as your nickel guy. So obviously you're kind of recognizing you're going to have a bit of a drop off. There are two things I believe are very important when it comes to why they lose to 12 personnel. Number one, Play action against the defense is big. And play action against this defense is big because this defense is very, very fast, which means they flow. They flow very hard. Miles Jack and Telvin Smith want every tackle for loss they can possibly get in the world. And so they flow. And and when and if you remember back when the Jacksonville defense was world beating in 2017, they went into San Francisco and got the pants kicked off them by Kyle Shanahan's. And this was like, we just got Jimmy and our top receiver is Trent Taylor. San Francisco offense. Like, it was the pre-we-just-got-new-wide receivers San Francisco offense. Yeah. And you just, just a bunch of tight ends. with them. Right? And it was 12 personnel and 21 personnel, and it was so much heavy play action. It was boot play action, which mm-hmm. Philadelphia has not incorporated a lot of so far this season, and I would love to see more of. So that's one big thing that I think you see against that 12 personnel. The other thing was a Dallas thing, and it was something that showed up multiple times in the Dallas tape for me. And it was when they're facing 12 personnel – they very frequently want to go to their cover three because against 12 personnel, you have seven blockers in the box with cover three, single high safety. You can put eight defenders in the box. You're still plus in the box. They're still giving up yep. 48% success rate against the run. Uh, but that's, that's the logic behind it. Yeah. When they are in their cover three, they ask the strong side linebacker. Technically, you, you are, if you're in base personnel, you have three. It's going to be the Mike. If you're in two, it's, it's going to be the Sam. If you're, if you have two linebackers on the field, it's going to be the Mike. They ask him to carry seams all the way down the field. And you watch mm-hmm. it like you could not break down film regularly. And you could watch it be like, that's not something that usually happens because it just doesn't look right. You know what I mean? So you've got like, you know, tight ends releasing down the seam and Miles Jack leaves his middle of the field responsibilities, like his curl flat or his hook curl responsibilities. Hook zone. Yeah. And just runs into deep zones, like into the deep third, like with the safety. Who is there? They ask him, I don't know why, but Dallas figured this out and just and brought under. leaned on it for, yep. yeah, the whole game. It was yep. just Cole Beasley and and, yep. and Rico Gathers and little shallow crossers for four quarters. And yeah, and people wondered why Cole Beasley had the game that he did. That's exactly the right. reason why. And so <laughs> this is why we talk about spot dropping being a problem because you tell those linebackers, you tell Talvin Smith and Miles Jack, all right, you uh, you got hook curl responsibilities, 12 yards deep to 10 yards deep. And then you give them a play action look and they, they climb up a little bit. They realize it's passed. They bail hard. They go flying back. They're not even paying attention to where routes are going. So you run, yeah. like, Dallas would run three verticals. So nobody is threatening these underneath defenders. 
but they're still 12 yards back, and then you just leak out the back and you dump it off to him. And he's got yep. all the space, and it's a free eight yards, right? Depending on how elusive your back is. Mike, they got to the red zone. So there's no more deep area of the field, right? There's It's the end line. It's done. <laughs> yeah. And they still had Miles Jack carrying verticals. So weird, dude. There's nowhere for the vertical to go. Like, I can't stress that enough. <laughs> yeah. There's nowhere for it to go. So There's there's an end zone. It ends right. there. Yeah. Uh, like going. I said, yeah. I would sit in 12 personnel and 13 personnel all game. All uh, even day. with the injuries to the corners, I'm not going to make them go super deep into their corner depth chart. If it's not working for you, if you're struggling out of 12 and 13, I mean, sure, you can go and start spreading them and shredding them. And horizontal spreads will do a lot to this defense, I think. That's that's something to talk about. But you can still run those out of 12. You, you look at the Eagles depth chart at wide receiver. I mean, who are you really challenging them with other than Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar? No, I mean, it's a good point, right? I would, I would, I mean, this is not distinct to the Jaguars. This is what I would run all the time because it's my favorite offense for them. <laughs> uh, but with what we know about the Jaguars, I think it is a great idea to just go 12, hurry up. That's what I've always wanted. I'd want just put always. some running back. I don't even care. Goddard, Ertz, Nelly, Alshon out of the field at the same time. Go hurry up. And you can get eight blockers in the box easily. They did it multiple times out of 12. They got eight blockers in the box with Nelson Aguilar against the Panthers. And then very next snap, spread them. Go empty. Yep. You, no, nobody can handle Goddard and Ertz at the same time. And I, st- I have that take still. I don't even care. So we talked about the coverage. Let's talk about the pass rush, Ben. Because the worst case scenario for me in this game with this Jaguars pass rush defense, and I wrote about this for BleedingGreenNation.com, getting home on the stunts that they like to run They've run those about 48% of the time on their money down pass rushes as I charted it up. All the data is on bladygreennation.com. And that, for the Eagles, who historically struggle with those things, leading to some forced turnovers. Because, look, Wentz isn't always the best at protecting the ball when it comes to fumbles, right? Right. And the last thing you want to do is give a bad offense free points and put yourself in a position of playing catch-up against a very good defense, as much as we just said the, the plan and all that, you still got to execute, but a very good defense that despite their 30-point allowed average over the last three games, and I definitely don't think that tells us the whole story, but you don't want to be down against this defense, which when at its height is definitely still capable of the 2017 heights that reached last year, even though it's being kind of being handcuffed by their defensive coordinator. That would put them in a position to really tee off and bring these exotic blitzes or just come with four because that's a dog on good front. Yannick Ngakwe has four sacks and provides some real juice off the edge. Kalias Campbell has four sacks, and they use him in a number of ways. They'll move him around. They stand him up. He'll smash and loop. Dante Fowler Jr. on the outside as well. He's provided 15 pressures this year. Malik Jackson is no slouch. He's got one murder on the box score this year if you saw him against Blaine Gabbert. But bottom line, these dudes will get after you. And when you add in the fact that they're comfortable – bringing these three safeties to Sean Gibson, Barry Church, and Ronnie Harrison when they're in big nickel. They'll bring them all on blitzes, uh, which is what I assume they'll run against, you know, that 12 and 13 personnel that we talked about, especially with Bouye out. Look, even linebacker Telvin Smith and cornerback DJ Hayden have sacks this year. So they come from all angles. And you also add Miles Jack, and he's come on 20 blitzes this year by himself. So, yeah, a lot of heat coming from a lot of different angles and a front four that has created pressure at a 40%-plus clip for four weeks in a row now, according to Pro Football Focus. Now, their sack total is down a bit. But, man, I think that's because they play too much zone, but whatever. You expect that to regress positively to the mean at some point regarding those sacks, and that is a definite 
negative for the Eagles. Ben, are you as concerned about this pass rush as I am? I'm not terribly concerned when it comes to three down blitz packages because they don't overload a ton. And I don't think they do a great job disguising where they're coming from. Like I said, I think you can kind of feel it out. Uh, especially what the coverage is going to be on the back end. And I, let's get the ball out a little quickly. They do do a lot of games where they'll go like three center right or center yeah, left. No, and so that's exactly what I was going to bring up was that. Okay. Yeah. Cause they don't do that. Like I, I've noticed they'll do that on other downs, not necessarily only third down I'm saying like their third down, like big mug looks, I don't think are too exotic or, or it's nothing that we didn't see like against the giants. It's when they get fancy with it. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> when they say, you know, you know, it'd be fun if we put, you know, Yannick Ngakwe at like a 15 tech. Like he's just outside of like the slot receiver because he's crazy. I'm looking at one right here if I, if I can if I can tell you. I've got this up on bleedinggreennation.com. Uh, That's in the same piece. Calais Campbell is at the one tech to the left of the line. Outside of the tackle is Malik Jackson. Outside of the tight end is your defensive end. I think that's Dante Fowler Jr. And then you've got Deshaun Gibson in between those two, like yeah. covering the tight end. And behind Malik Jackson is Miles Jack. Way, way <laughs> off to the right, outside of the left tackle, is your other defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe. Yeah. And you've also got Miles Jack, like, just staring the center. There is, like, nobody on the right side, of it, but they've got five guys on the left and, like, two guys right They'll there. They'll put end. Yannick in a different <laughs> zip code. Because yeah, exactly. Ngakwe is so <laughs> explosive. That if he beats he can get you with the first step, you can't He's closing. get him to the corner, right? You can't beat him there. And so they'll just be like, listen, go as far outside as you want, tilt the technique all the way inside, and just race the offensive tackle to his outside shoulder. What's funny, that's exactly – I'm looking at this. He's tilted so hard, and he's outside of a – He's outside of an imaginary tight end. <laughs> he looks like he's about to run like down the line of scrimmage, right? <laughs> he looks like a he's like he's like a down judge. He's a he's a line judge. He's a side judge, just in a different uniform with where he's looking. It's crazy, but honestly, I mean, it's a two hundred and forty pound pass rusher who doesn't have great functional strength. So what are you gonna do? What he's good at is not you know not trying to reinvent the wheel. Um, yeah. So no, like you said, when they give you those really wide looks where. One guy is with is in the guard box, B gap to B gap, and yeah. then almost everybody else is outside of B gaps, and then they'll just pepper in those really explosive linebackers. Yeah, you've got to build protection calls for those. You know what I mean? Like you don't your typical protection calls aren't going to be able to handle those wide and, and and ridiculous of looks. The other thing that that can do is it can make uh, it very difficult for Philadelphia to execute their trap game. Philadelphia loves to run the traps, but you have to have a a pretty regular understanding of all right we got a one tech and we got a three tech and the linebackers at a 20 and a 30 okay well we know how to get angles on these guys when you've got that sort of bullocks going on like you don't there's nothing it's there you don't have like the, the trap is not built to handle that weirdly right. overloaded pressures and so you have to be able to get out of those calls which might mean a heavier zone game uh, the other thing that I would expect a little bit more of in the running game is the crack toss game, which is something they like to do a good deal, especially with Josh Adams in recent weeks. Why you take Josh Adams and you're the one who you, oh, get Josh Adams the ball in the perimeter. Uh, uh, maybe it's the only thing he can run. I don't know. Is it me or is he the only one that runs crack toss? I, and it's like a dead giveaway. I, I, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I, I'll put it this way. I can remember Josh Adams running other things besides crack toss, but I can't remember... <laughs> I think Ajayi got one when he was healthy. Okay, right. They've been running crack toss a little bit more this season than they did last season, in my opinion. And when we say crack toss, uh, crack toss is, is, is you're going to get the, the halfback to the play side out of shotgun, and then he's immediately just going to swing out outside of the tackle, and he's going to get a quick pitch, 
and you get that tackle pulling in front of him and you down block on the defensive end with either a tight end or with a wide receiver coming in motion or something like that. So it's a way to get Jason Peters or Lane Johnson, obviously great athletes, out in space against linebackers. And then you force corners and safeties to come up and make plays. And that's always what you want when you design a running game. It's it's for a, a preferably a corner, if not a corner, then a safety to be the primary guy who has to come up and be physical because those players aren't built to be physical. So I think you can get the crack toss game going a little bit more when they go overload, just run away from it, which teams have been doing yeah. forever on Jacksonville. And it's one of the best ways to be successful running against the Jacksonville defense. So uh, going on with their, with their run defense, Calias Campbell leads the entire league in run stops with 23. How many games? They played seven games. He has 23 run stops. Okay, that's fine. I know he's just getting three and a half. I'm assuming like relatively individual that's run high, stops yeah. as a game as a defensive lineman. So as the guy, yeah. the offensive line is planning on blocking because they know where he is. Just, you know, to understand. 17% stop frequency. It's tops over dudes like Demarcus Lawrence, Akeem Hicks, Snacks. Dude's a monster. Uh, and is a big reason why the Jaguars ranked seventh in run defense uh, DVOA per football outsiders. Considering what we have going on with our running back situation right now, Ben, let's go over under. The Jaguars has given up 100 yards five times this year, including 206 to the Dallas Cowboys two weeks ago. The Eagles have gone over 100 yards four times this year, but only had 58 yards last week, probably because there's no JHI. Over under. I'm not even going to go 100. Okay. I'm going to bring it down. I'm going to put it at 75 yards rushing for the Eagles, uh, and don't give me any game script nonsense, even though it's entirely valid. <laughs> that was exactly where my head was going to go. Oh, man. I, I wanted you to keep it at 100 because I was going to be so confident at 100. I don't trust Wendell Smallwood and Josh Adams under. You think any of those guys are outrunning angles from these linebackers, even if they do get to the second level? I haven't put these clips up because I was going to get an article on them. I don't know if I will or not. The Eagles nearly blew two trap plays wide open against the Panthers. I know. Right? I know. Shaq Thompson made a, a, a shoestring tackle on one, and Corey Clement took what, I, in my opinion, was a bad second angle on another. Yeah, Clement didn't look all that great, dude. Clement looked indecisive in that game. I didn't, li- I didn't, I didn't like Clement's game last Clement week. Clement looks bigger and slower. When he was in camp, I was like, oh, snap, he got bigger. That's awesome. Turns out he got slower. <laughs> that was against the Carolina linebackers, who are – fast-flowing and aggressive, and they line up close to the line, and we talked about this. Jacksonville linebackers play with their heads on fire, right? You bet. Yeah. Look at this. No! And they're gone, right? It, like yeah. The Eagles misdirection. Miles Jack is a former running back. Yeah. Like the, 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 the guy can fly. The misdirection-heavy game that we saw in Carolina should certainly return against Jacksonville, without question, and should return and be very effective, I would imagine. They do a, a, a decent job keeping the backside contained guys in place, but when you want to move the Mike or the Will, right? The pursuit, mm. like, uh, like you know, if you if you want to move like the play side linebackers, I should say the Mike and the Sam, you can move them and then just dump RPOs behind them or dump screens up the middle, and and you should be fine. So misdirection heavy, like we were saying, if they can hit traps on them, you could see some chunk yardage gained. But overall, I'm not going to go over 75. I don't have enough faith in the running game. I 100% agree with that. So I'm going to go under. Someone else were active, perhaps I would go over 75. <laughs> yes, it would be nice to have Jay Ajayi back. That's exactly active. right. Darren Sproles. Ben, it's prediction time. That's that's enough of this nonsense. As soon as we get to Denel Pumphrey, hints, I'm out of here. Uh, I'm on a betting website right now. No free ads. Full disclosure, we are recording again on Thursday night. So 
These odds are not Friday odds, they're Thursday odds. But right now, as we record, the Eagles are three and a half point favorites. The over-under is at 43. I can do math good. That points to a 23-20 to 20 Eagles win around that ballpark. I can't really account for that half a point, but you know, give or take that half a point there. 23-20 to 20 is what Vegas is saying for the Eagles. Ben, are you taking the Eagles at 3.5, and, and are you taking the over at 43, or are you afraid to be great? Mike, on Tuesday, Monday, whenever this lined open, I took Philadelphia minus 3, and I put... A good amount of units on it. I feel very comfortable with that. Their starting quarterback isn't good, and he's on a short leash. And it's a three-point game? Portals is so bad, dude. Portals is so bad, dude. Right. They, <laughs> what percentage chance would you put it at that we see Cody Kessler take a drive, at least a drive in this game? 40%. And the line is three points? I think the line is, I think when Sharps hit this, which I, I mean, so I expected line movement already, and it hasn't yet. So perhaps I'm too... You know, believing in Philadelphia and perhaps, you know, people with a, a, a further away vantage point recognize the weaknesses on this team better than I do. And if they do, I'm going to lose money. So it's OK. I think it will move as we get closer. Yeah. My anticipation early in the week was that it will close at four and a half point favorites Philadelphia. That was my guess. Right. That's what I expect. I'd like for that to happen. Uh, I'd like to cash in on a Philadelphia minus three ticket and be a very happy man and go four and four into the buy and feel good. This Philadelphia team is objectively more talented than the Jacksonville team. And key, they have better talents at the most important spots. Quarterback, head coach, soundly on both uh, uh, on both fronts. Peterson is, is, is quite better than Marone. Uh, Carson is yeah. worlds better than Bortles. And, and Schwartz and Wash. Wash is probably better, but it's okay. They beat him in head coach and they beat him in quarterback. You should expect them, in my opinion, to win the game. I acknowledge that Jacksonville has played more in London. I don't anticipate a Doug Peterson-led team being poorly prepared for a London game. With their backs against the wall? That would be very disappointing if that was the case, yeah. Right, and the, and, and the thing is, we like to talk about Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville has won... Jacksonville's played in London five times. They're 3-2 and two against the spread and 3-2 and two straight up. The thing is, their past three games... Right. They're 3-0, and oh, right? They've won the last three and they've, they've beaten the spread in the last three. But by now... I think books are a little bit heavier uh, uh, correcting on Jacksonville, kind of giving them home field advantage, whereas I expect the crowd to be relatively more even because Philadelphia fans have been traveling incredibly well this year. So I take Philly uh, to cover. I look at a 20 to 7 game. I was saying, I was going to say 23 to 7, so I was going to take the under and I was going to take the points. That's what, it, that's what it should be. That's what it should be. Like, I don't expect a whole lot of points against this Jaguars defense, and that's okay as long as you're controlling for, for a lot of the game. And this garbage offense from the Jaguars doesn't do anything to you resembling anything dangerous at any point. Like, that, that's when I would get – if we give up over 20 points, if we give up upwards to 30 points, or we, for the first time this season, give up over 30 points to this Jaguars offense, I am lighting myself on fire. All right, you heard it here. Self-immolation <laughs> on the Kist and Solak show. Burning monks on the Kist and Solak show, for sure. That's our that's our theme music. Yeah, yeah. I killed it. Oh, uh, Ben, any, anything else before we close up shop for the uh, week and put our uh, sandbags out and – board up the windows just in case this thing goes south because it was brought up to me earlier in the week the fake news the lies and the slander jake elliott is not the worst kicker in the nfl he does not have the lowest field goal percentage in the nfl as a team just generally as a team philadelphia is uh 11 for 15 which puts them at 
tied for 26th in the NFL above Seattle, Cleveland, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. Pretty sure all of those teams have had kicking changes. <laughs> <laughs> but we never talk about special teams. So Jake Elliott is good. He's not bad. I will not hear anything otherwise. Thank you. Goodbye. I believe that I, I put him in an article in that like in the missed opportunities one, and I think he was second worst field goal percentage among kickers that had double-digit kicks this year. The other one was Sebastian Janikowski, who is 1% lower than him. See? He's as good as a legendary kicker. (laughs) Thank you for making my case, Michael. There was wind! It was a blustery game. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Tomorrow is Saturday, the... uh, Gowton and Stolness show, BGN Radio official show. We'll be previewing the Jacksonville Jaguars and Eagles game in London at 9.30 Eastern. Real quick, Ben, I'm going to throw that. I'm going to throw that show in probably at like midnight tonight whenever I get it. So I don't put them up first. I'm going to let the, the, the main dog bark here on Bleeding Green Nation. I'm going to put them up as soon as I get that audio from them. I'm putting them up first. We're actually going to be on after them on Friday. So no show on Saturday, but doubleheader on Friday. Mike, thank Breaking you news here on Bleeding Green so Nation. so much for telling me that beforehand. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate I said it in the main Slack chat. Here's the main what, Slack chat where, here's what I want to know. where you didn't get my Slack message for like an hour to Why schedule this podcast. do I do the wrap-ups? <laughs> When I never know the schedule, and it's known by everyone that I don't know the schedule. Because you do, this is literally your job, and yet somehow I'm doing the wrap-ups. I think you answered your own question, because it, because it leads to situations like this. It's just me saying Ben, things. do you remember before the show that you said it's important to remember that, that you're smarter than me? No, that's not on the recording. We hadn't started Audacity yet. This is how I get over on you. Putting you in situations where I know you will fail in front of the public. I'm framing the message. We're enemies. Okay. Um, how long is the show running? We, we cleared 200 ratings, reviews. So can I read them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we got 201 customer reviews, which is amazing. And we love you so much. And you're the best. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to start with SMH, which is the title of the review. Uh, which was issued by SMH1231. So I'm assuming this, this young man shakes his head at a lot of things. One star <laughs> review, our only one star review, Mike. And this is his rating. Do you guys know the names of coverages and routes or something? That's it. What does that even mean? I would say that we are, <clears throat> I listen to a lot of football podcasts. I would say we name the most coverages and the most routes. <laughs> I'm gonna make. <laughs> I, would, I would argue that. I'm gonna make SMH a huge list of just like nonsense, Maybe. like disorganized coverages and routes, and just be like, here, here's all of the names. There you go. Maybe, maybe that's his point. Maybe he's annoyed by how many coverages and whatnot and oh, routes that's interesting. that we talk about. SMH, if you you're listening. We'd like more information. We'd like to, to cater better to your needs. Let me lure you to my battleground at me at Michael Kist NFL no, don't do on that. Twitter. At me at Benjamin Solak. <laughs> I'll help you out. Okay. So another great thing that started happening is this. Uh, best Sports Podcast at Byronic Gyro, which is a great name. Uh, you guys do the best sports podcast for any team in any sport, period. New episodes of Kist and Solak are the highlight of my week. And life is immeasurably enri- enriched by the wisdom of BLG. Long no, may he reign. I even have my non-Eagles fans, friends listening regularly. People have started putting Long May He Rain in the reviews. Also, I looked at this SMH guy, 
It looks like we are the only review that he has written. He created an account oh. to come and ask us a very vague question that we do not understand the implication of. <laughs> it's... I feel bad because I was like, leave us rate reviews. And then we got 200. And the 201st yeah. review was our first one-star review. And it was, do you guys know the names of coverages and routes or something? Corner route. Cover two. Solo. Hang concept. Cover three sky. <laughs> Cover three cloud. <laughs> Suck it! Okay. Bomb.com by Kevin underscore K788907. I now know two-thirds of Kevin's phone number. Uh, Five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was about to say, like, oh, it's his birthday, but I don't think there's a month that's 78. Had a bad day, went back in time, and shook myself like a baby until I realized it was a good day. Every day is a great day to listen to Kisty and Solak, which, amen. I also like the usage of Kisty, because that's my nickname for him, but you can have it. You're not going to read the review from the P-Fist? Wait, 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 wait. It might be the one I'm coming to... At the end. Hang on. Okay, here's the, uh, just as the a great podcast that really goes into the dirty details of football. The guy, DP Fist, talking about dirty details of football. Okay. We can move on. Listen, Fist is close enough to kiss that I think that's one of your burners. Okay. Sounds about right. Jim from SoCal spelt my last name wrong, even though it's in the title of every show. So you're not getting read out loud. Caden1218, five-star review. The title is, Did I Stutter? Question mark. And his review is, No. Which is interesting, <laughs> because I can't remember any other content from Caden1218, which he would like to have emphasized or reiterated by asking us if he had stuttered. I love these, man. The I, even, last, I love the mean ones, too. The last one, the one yeah. that I've been saving, the one I can't, I've been so excited to read for weeks, even though it's only been on there for a week. At mild underscore opinions, best football pod available, five-star rating. Jason Statham and Michael Sarah team up to provide team <laughs> statistical and schematic analysis of the Philadelphia Eagles and their opponents. You will be a smarter fan from listening to this show. <laughs> uh, I, I remember reading that. I died. It's the best rating. It's the best review. It's the best Locked on Eagles, Kissed and Solak show under two different mastheads. It is by far the best rating and review we've ever received. Jason Statham. It's so perfect. I, I love know. Michael I know. Sarah. I think he's hysterical. I'm a big Jason Statham fan, too. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. Crank, I love those movies. I love you. Like, and most people mess with our names. They'd be like, you know, Kiss and Solar. Yeah. Jason Statham and Michael Sarah is gold. It's also funny because, like... I'm reading this, looking at you, and I'm like, oh, you look like Jason Statham. But I have to remember, the reviewers don't even see us that frequently. You know what I mean? Like, we see each other every night. We're reading these, whatever. It's perfect. Jason Statham it's and Michael Sarah. He's two for two. Flawless. Yeah. Anyway. Usually, I hate the like the bald guy thing, but I take it as a compliment. No, Statham's that one. a legit bald guy. Hey, that was awesome. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for, as always, leaving those ratings. Again, if you keep leaving them, once we get a few funny ones in the dock, we'll read them because it's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, this is this is the show. We're very glad to be doing it for you guys. So thank you so much. We all we got, we all we need. Fly Eagles, fly. Cover two, cover six, cover four. I'm trying to think of a coverage that it has fly Man in two. it or eagle in it. Cover I mean, one robber, cover one rat. Eagle is a eagle's a, a defensive front. That's not really coverage. That's a front. Yeah. How yeah. dare I? He already knows the names of fronts and running schemes. It's coverage. I'm routes. assuming that he knows that we know that we know fronts, so he doesn't ask. Yeah, he knows that we know. Spot concept double China seven. Okay, show off. I'm about to look up the Matt Bowen article and just read Spacey. them all off.
Just read them in, in a row. Four verts. I like that. 1121. <laughs> That's like super old nomenclature, though. Don Coriel. Eric, Eric, Eric Coriel. Let's go through Let's go through every offensive scheme ever. We're Six! Gonna do, we're gonna do a, <laughs> the best air play see of all time. Yeah. We're going to do a three-hour podcast and two hours of it. It's just going to be us. Let's do one. Calling where it's just like It's like, it's like well, those videos of like the log crackling, right? Which is like the same thing. They would like really monotonous yeah. background music. And we just read very slowly a list of every coverage and <laughs> route we can think of. And we dedicate it to SMH1321 or whatever it was. Dude, we can go through that the the playbook that that you have. The North Turner playbook from, what was it, 1996? The North Turner playbook the is, Coriel playbook's the most disgusting thing in the world. Like, they, they'll have different motions. So I was writing a piece on motions for Green mm-hmm. Green. You should go read it. It's great. Um, I read it. I retweeted it. Thanks, it was man. Awesome. I still have to read. I have to read your defensive fronts one. I haven't read it yet. Um, Do you know motions and stuff? Right. So they'll have. They'll be like. They'll have motions for if they want you to li- like if they want you to line up in the formation and then motion to a different spot. There's one name mm. for that, and then there's a different name for if they want you to start in that different spot and then motion into the formation. So it'll be like. Oh, okay. It'll be like trips right leap is like start over here and come back over there and then like Mm. trips right you know whiz will be like start in the formation and then leave and go back to the other side just call that motion the same thing and either call it before (laughs) or after right it's highly unnecessary from the alignment so we would be here for months if we had to read through every (laughs) thing in that stupid playbook Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.